You're listening to the Zoe Turner Podcast, business and mindset conversations that will help you move from fear and uncertainty to development and growth so that you can crush both life and business. Please welcome your host, Zoe Turner. Today's guest is bubbly, raw, honest, and passionate. And she was thrust into the media spotlight in 2014 and 15 when she appeared in the reality show Benefit Street and then later Celebrity Big Brother. So it's fair to say that her life changed overnight and she's experienced the highs and the lows of being in the tabloids, part of which I would like to touch on today. So welcome to the podcast today, Dee Kelly. Oh, thank you for having me, Zoe. I mean, you know, that's a brilliant introduction, and I absolutely love that, the bubbly and raw bit. I mean, you know, I've never been described as that before, but I think you've actually just, you know, nailed it. I, that's exactly what I am, bubbly and raw. Yeah, I think you are. My introductions used to be really long, um, so I'm trying to keep <laughs> them a little bit short and succinct now. And um, when I first got introduced to you, um, it was about a month ago, I think, a couple of months ago, um, through Kelly Maloney, and we were on the Zoom. Um, that was the first thing that, that stuck out to me, how like bubbly you were and likable you were and raw you are. So it seemed like a perfectly apt intro. Oh, so, thank you. Dee, what are you grateful for today? What am I what, grateful for? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> do you know... I think every day I'm just so grateful for actually just being able to open my eyes, I think. Um, you know, life's hard and I, I don't think it's any sort of um, secret. But even like before um, I was thrust into, shall we say, the limelight with the documentary, um, I have suffered really bad with mental health. Um, but obviously, you know, dealing with mental health issues pre being thrust into the limelight is one million percent easier than obviously having to deal with it kind of now if that makes sense it's like sort of you know we did this documentary in 2014 it was the most watched documentary of its time and you know it it was very very controversial um but then it kind of just it just led to, should we say, just things completely spiraling out of control. It's like, you know, I've always grown up, I was born and bred in Birmingham, UK. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, mother to two children, um, just dealing with life when, you know, as life. Um, and then sort of this, this, this documentary that's been aired worldwide um, just changed that and it changed it kind of like you know not gradually it it did as you said it changed life overnight for those that don't know the documentary that you starred in it was uh, it was a reality show and it was based in Birmingham which is your hometown and, yeah. and it was based in your street which was James Turner Street it shares the name my surname actually yeah. <laughs> and and so tell us a little bit about the show and um, and what were the positives and negatives of being on it? It, it, it was it was it was um, it was um, a documentary called um, called Benefit Street. Mm. And obviously it was filmed on our street, which was James Turner Street in in Winston Green in Birmingham. Um, Winston Green is, is probably classed as, you know, should we say one of the deprived areas of Birmingham? Um, but it, it focused on, or what it was supposed to have focused on, was how, as a community, we all stuck together and we all helped each other out, and 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 it just followed like how we lived, mm. um, how we lived, how we got on, and and things like that. But then, I suppose the same as any show, um, if you're going to get the ratings, you have to, you know step it up a bit I suppose and sensationalize it yes most definitely Mm. and 
And even though we had like these cameras um, following us around and filming our lives for over 18 months. Wow. So it's, it's not even as if it was kind of like, you know, boom, 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 let's do it, you know, film. 18 months we had these people in our lives. So you can imagine, you know, everything they got, they got the, you know, family parties, the happiness, the sadness, the the children growing up and and things like that. And then when you edit 18 months worth of a whole street's lives into six one hour shows, then you kind of you kind of know but over obviously you know in in the UK um obviously you've got you know the benefit system um and even back to like 2014 the benefit system is one of the most controversial things that you could probably ever um film a documentary on to to engage kind of like the hatred and and everything because there's so many people in this country that are so against the benefit system that if you glamorize people who are part of that system and put it onto onto our TV screens, then you you know the reaction that you're going to get. And Channel 4, credit to them, they succeeded in the editing. But we were very lucky because we then had it on the other hand where people were like, but that's that's just like us. They're normal people just like us. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, and I think that's kind of what I suppose has led to me sort of still being here and still being known as, you know, obviously D from Benefit Street, who's then gone on, like you said, to do Celebrity Big Brother and and being, you know, oh God, I think I've done over 200 probably TV shows and I'd, I'd hate to even think how many, you know, radio and newspaper interviews. And and I'm still kind of like, you know, still here, still plodding on and, and still recognised whenever I walk out the front door. So you were saying, uh, you were talking about your mental health earlier and saying that you've always struggled with mental health even before the show, but it was easier to deal with then. Don't you think we grow, though? And as we grow, like, it's, what, like, six, seven years, right, since this show started. And and I would imagine that you've, you've grown a lot within yourself. You're a lot more self-aware. And you've also grown a lot professionally as well, and you've moved forward a lot in your life. Does that not help you navigate and deal with your mental health better? Not really. And I think I think it's actually made it that bit harder. If I'm honest with you, it's kind of like, I mean, if we go back in 1997 um, was when I had my daughter um, and I was diagnosed. It was Obviously, she was born in December um, 1997. So the following year, I was actually diagnosed with postnatal depression. But you kind of, I don't know, back then it was kind of like an unheard of sort of, you know, postnatal depression. You kind of just got on with it. I mean, I I didn't take the medication that I was given um, because I didn't kind of feel that I was suffering with postnatal depression, if that makes sense. And I I suppose I had like a, a really good network of support. Um, I suppose it's the stigma, isn't it, attached to taking medication or or someone being told that you've got like, you know, it wasn't. I, I don't think I was. I would have even seen it as as a mental health condition back then. But you sort of, you kind of just plod on with life, don't you? And then in two thousand and eleven, um, which is really, you know, timeline wise, obviously in two thousand and eleven, I lost my mum, and kind of like you know she was one of the you know the most important person in my life and then it was 2012 that I actually suffered a nervous breakdown and um and that's kind of really when you know the mental health sort of side really did affect me so it's kind of probably probably you know in the timeline sort of way of things it's like not long I suppose after losing my mum uh, and things like that I then took part in a documentary which is just really weird so I can't say whether or not I had my wits about me 100 percent 
Um, but when when this is kind of aired and when it's said, but mental health it isn't a visual disability. So you can understand if you've got, you know, the media and everything saying, you know, mum of two suffers with depression. And then you've got the whole world who's watching this programme going, well, which bit of that looks depressed? But then you obviously they didn't air the bits where, you know, where you've, you know, you're lying in your bed for five, six days and you're crying, your heart, you know, your heart's break. But obviously they're not going to air that on the television. So I then had to kind of like, I suppose from the outset, come out and I'm kind of having to justify my life and justify when you don't see how can you say I'm 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 not you know I'm not depressed or I'm not suffering with a mental illness just by what you've seen on the TV screens and I remember I was doing um a live it was actually a live debate and I think it was actually on channel four a channel four live debate and there was a journalist there um, now, you know how you see it, Zoe, when you've got, like, the tiers of, like, the, should we say, the media, you've got, like, what you'd class the Telegraph and the Guardian, as, you know, most people would see as kind of like, you know, an upper-class read. And then, obviously, you've got the tabloids. And I remember there was um, there was a female reporter there, no, female journalist there, um, and she was actually from the Telegraph, and it was her in the middle of a live debate who actually said, well, you don't look depressed. And it's kind of like, oh, my God, did you, like, really just say that? Do you know what I mean? And it's kind of like, and and that's when I kind of look, well, well, how does a depressed person look? How does someone with a mental health issue look? Do you know what I'm saying? And it's kind of like, and then she actually got up and she she kind of left the she left the debate. And it was kind of at that moment you think, do you know something? It's kind of like mental health is really not taken seriously. And, and it's because you can't see it. Um and you see these memes and everything going around. I mean, you know, I suppose the most high profile would be Robin Williams. You know, every movie that man's made and things like that. And it's kind of, you know, and he actually took his own life, you know, because of because of depression. And this, again, just because someone smiles every once in a while, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're okay. Yeah, it's crazy that when there's someone in authority like that woman was, and she was a woman as well. Like, women don't stamp on other women. That's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to build each other up. So not only was she showing her ignorance, which she showed herself of, and probably the newspaper as well. And again, I think it goes down to a massive, you know, there is a massive class divide. Do you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like there's no sort of, and the, there shouldn't be, and well, mm-hmm. there's not sort of in my eyes. Mm-hmm. And this, again, it's kind of like, you know, I take people as I find them. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's like, and it's like you said, because social media, social media is such an outlet for pure hatred. And and it's allowed, and it, it, it's kind of like, you know, it, it seems to be acceptable via social media outlets. And I think um, that's probably why, because, you know, predominantly what I do now is social media based, that it's probably not better and it is worse because every day you don't know what you're going to open, what you're going to click on. But I'm, you know, I've learned, shall we say, I've learned over the years to kind of like, because a lot of people say to me, how do you deal with with all these people and their comments and their, um, you know, their, their hatred? And I'm like, do you know, I deal with it because I don't read them. And that's what I've kind of learned because the only thing that kind of interests me is how the people I know and love think of me. I really don't care what, Mr. Joe Bloggs, who lives in a completely different part of the country, who's never met me and will probably never, ever meet me in his life, thinks of me because they don't know me. And that's kind of what I've always said. And it's like, it's really strange because in the early days of, of obviously, you know, 
been this kind of like coming into the the public eye, etc. I used to be of the mindset, if you come for me, I'm going to come for you kind of thing. And it's like everybody would send me a message and it'd be like, who do you think you are? And you're not this and you're not that. And I'm, I'd, I'd reply. And um, and I'm kind of not the not the type of person that will back down easily either. So do you know what I mean? And it's kind of like, um, but it's really strange because I actually came face to face with, should we say like a couple of my trolls um, over the years. And I've kind of like, you know, I will sort of, you know, go up and I say, um, you know, oh, you're so-and-so. And and we've actually become really, really good friends now. And I think that goes to show that a lot of people, you do form an opinion of, of anybody. Like if you're watching sort of like, you know, even if you're watching any TV show or or even if you're out and about in a supermarket or walking down the street, you can actually just look at someone and go, oh, oh, look at them. And But you don't know them. And that's kind of, you know, what I've learned. And, and my motto is, you know, don't you, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but don't come at when you don't actually know me. If you want to know someone, ask, take the time to get to know somebody. And that's kind of like, and then if afterwards you don't like me, then, you don't like me but it's kind of no skin off my nose to be fair and I think that kind of that attitude has kind of got me through and but I've always kind of been like that um which I think it is good but it's just I suppose being in the public eye as they call it it is so much harder because you know, you know yourself if you're walking around the supermarket and your son's keep mom, and I'm, you can't really shout at him like you probably did back in the day when no one would know you. Because it's kind of an untrusting thing as well. It's like you never know. I mean, you know, the amount of times I've turned around and I've seen people, you know, taking sneaky photos or sneaky videos or, you know, I was in, um, I was in a shoe shop the other day and... Um, it's it's just really sweet, really weird because I was in a shoe shop, and all I wanted was a pair of shoes. And the um the serve you know the the staff that were in there it was kind of like were huddled together and they kept kind of like glancing over, and I was like you know, is there any chat? And then sort of you know I'm still standing there actually just waiting for someone to come over. And then next thing you know they disappeared out the back of the shop and then someone else came out of the shop and walked round the shop, stood there, looked in my face, walked back over and went, yeah, it's her. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you know, I just find it like, I just find it like so surreal because I'm just me. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and I'm like, I just, I just couldn't stop laughing then. And I'm like, I went up to the till and I'm kind of like, you know, have you got these, blah, 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 and, and paid for them. And I'm just like, you know, very polite and, and, and thank, you know, oh, thank you. Have a good day and walked out. And then they're all huddled together again. And I'm like, but I'm just D. You know what I mean? I'm just D. Walk, who, who, who needed a pair of shoes. <laughs> See, you were talking about your mum earlier. I totally get where you're coming from when you, you, you talk about the grief that you experienced. Uh, I experienced it with my nano and granddad, who meant more to me than anything in the world, like, like your mum did to you. Lost my granddad in 2015, and then four years later, lost my nana. And it does, it hits you like a, a, a ton of bricks. Many people might be surprised, given kind of, I don't know, Benefit Street or whatever, and the assumptions that they had of you, that you had a really good upbringing. You had a very happy childhood. Tell us a little bit about your mom and the upbringing with her and, and the positives of that. Do you know, and I kind of always say this, it's kind of like we had probably the best childhood ever. Do you know what I mean? I mean, my mum and dad um, are Irish and they moved over to, they moved over to Birmingham in I think it was 1969 it's kind of like really funny because um they were from a tiny little village in Ireland and rumor had it that they'd left the country um, you know that they'd left Ireland because 
she was pregnant. Um, but obviously, you know, that wasn't the case because I never came along. I think it was about two or three years later. But yeah, born and bred, and, and again, on a little street called Maraway Street in Ladywood, Birmingham. It's, you know, they were, you kind of like when you look back, but you kind of don't see it at the time, if that makes sense. Like my dad, obviously, you know, proper old school Irishman, um, you know, was in the construction business and always off working. And then back in the day, mum was at home, you know, looking after the kids. But obviously our childhood was amazing because it, it, it's exactly what you see. Unlike, you know, old TV shows, you know, everyone's door was open, everyone's kids, we just all all played together. Um, you know, I remember we had the, the big tin bath and, you know, like the, the neighbours sharing the bath. And I suppose when you kind of look back on it, even though... We, we sort of never wanted for anything. Do you know what I mean? We always had clothes on our backs and always had food on the table. And, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, but you, you sort of presume that everyone was kind of like that. But I suppose they probably weren't because if mum was like cooking a dinner, she'd feed anybody. But then we could walk into anyone else's house and be fed. And, and it was the best childhood ever. You know, we used to have holidays to the seaside and then but again we were blessed because obviously you know school holidays we'd, we'd always go away to Ireland etc um I remember we used to be me and my sister we used to get put on a put on a, a, a train or a ferry or an aeroplane and shipped off for the six weeks and you know but that's what we just thought was normal um but it is it's like you say it's she was my best friend, as annoying as she was, because she was annoying, Zoe. Do you know what I mean? It's like she she kind of like wasn't in the best of health. She had um she had um a hip replacement operation. And not long after the surgery, she developed a blood clot in her lung, which could have actually killed her. But it's just saving grace that, you know, that we were there and and she kind of just passed out. But from that point, she had um, she had really bad health problems and sarcoidosis and pulmonary hypertension. So, you know, I knew her as like a really active mum who then went into a very, very poorly mum. But the the children kind of never really knew her as anything different. You know, they knew her, you know, she was nanny who had the oxygen all around the house and the tubes up the nose and, you know, on on her scooters. But obviously to kids, they thought that was hilarious, didn't they? Because to them, they were allowed to ride the scooters around the house. And, you know, it was brilliant. But it's kind of like, it's mad when I don't think people appreciate their mums as much, I suppose, when they're actually alive. It, it's hard, isn't it? Because I suppose you just go through life day by day. But when you haven't got them anymore, it's really, really hard. I mean, I was having like this discussion um, probably about two, three weeks ago with a friend of mine. And I kind of like, I kind of hate my parents for the fact that they were good parents does that make sense because I'm kind of like of the mindset well if they were horrible parents then I probably wouldn't miss them as much because obviously I lost my dad then five years after my mum so I lost um so I've lost both my parents and when they're here, I don't think you appreciate exactly, you know, I suppose the relationship. You just you just live day by day, don't you? It's like you answer the phone, it's mom, oh God, she's doing me head in, you hang up, you go and visit her, and you have your little bickerment, you know, your little bickers, your little arguments. I mean, me and my mum, we used to have cracking arguments do you know what I'm saying I'd go I'm not answering her now I'm not answering her now you know mum would be the one who'd ring you like 10 times a day and it'd be oh what she want now it's and those, but those special moments though that you that you hold in your heart and and it never ever disappears and I think it doesn't but I think it's sad that you don't realize that and you don't realize the extent of that until after they're gone 
Yeah. That, and that's the horrible, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. But I mean, I guess for, for me with my nano and granddad, I think, you know, I do a lot of meditation and I have like a meditation yeah. podcast. And there's a few meditations that I do where I, and they're not that long, but I'm taking myself back and I'm connecting with positive events in my life. There's one event that I've got with my granddad and um, and I lived this event as though it was yesterday. And it was when I, I'd go and knock on his door because I used to live in Liverpool. I lived in Liverpool for 10 years and he lived up north. And I'd go down to see him and I'd knock on his door and he used to have some curtains over the door and it was a window with some curtains over and then he had like wooden floorboards so I could hear his feet coming down the floorboard and I'd get really excited you know knowing that he was coming towards the door and I know that he would prolong him getting to the door because he was excited as well then he'd open the curtains and he'd smile and he'd say in his Yorkshire accent is that our Zoe and then he gave give me a big hug and that hug like I've I could close my eyes now and and, and it, it it's almost like it was happening to me right now. And that's kind of like the beauty of it. And there was a book that I read by um, a guy called Frederick. Frederick Nietzsche. Nietzsche, I think his name is. And it was, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a really famous book. And he was a survivor of the Holocaust. And he, but he went into the concentration camp with his wife. and um, But they were separated. And I think quite early on, his wife was sent into the, you know, the, the queue that went straight to the gas chambers. But he wrote in his book, and there's a part of his book that just kind of never, it really resonated with me. And it was, you know, he, he something like he was clinging to an image that is of his wife he didn't know if she was alive or dead um but he said none of that mattered because she was alive in his heart and that helped me I think with my parent with my grandparents and, and their passing because even though because we've all got to die at one stage we're going to die at one stage but it's just holding those precious moments and and even though someone's not living physically they can still live within your heart and you can still hold those amazing feelings that you used to feel with your mom and you can still like grasp them whenever you want do you know what it kind of is with me and I don't know if this is everyone's mindset or it's with me it's like they make me sad do you know what I mean it's like all the every time I remember a happy memory and and there was loads and even like an, a, a not happy memory like even if I remember you know like I said to you all the arguments and all the snapping and all the it just makes me sad and that's what I can't I'd rather like not remember because I don't want to be sad because knowing it, 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 it's it's a difficult one isn't it it's like I can smile at a memory, but then I just get sad and I find it harder to snap out of the sad mode than I do. It's like, you know, like we just remember sort of like, you know, I'm just laughing here because we do laugh and joke. It's we remember going to the seaside the once with the children and um, it was mum and this bloody mobility scooter, Zoe, I swear to God. And she fell asleep on the on the scooter, and she crashed. She crashed. She crashed into. In, she was in an amusement arcade, and she crashed into one of the machines. Because we just looked up, and we said, "Oh, where's she got?" And we could see, and her head was like getting drowsy, and she crashed into this machine, and all the alarms started to go off because I think you know they must have thought someone was trying to rob one of these one of these and we, and we were like I was like oh, I don't know her and, and I remember the children going oh it's nanny and I was like no it's not because <laughs> I thought she was just sitting there holding this scoop but then it just makes me really sad you know what I mean it's like a moment of 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 remembering then just ugh, you know but, there are, but it's like you, there's just millions and millions and millions 
of amazing memories. I was saying to my cousin the other day, you know, it's uh, um, obviously, you know, she, she's on my mum's side, you know, and she's going, she'd be, she's going away on Wednesday. And it'll be the first time in two years that she's been able to see her mum. You know what I mean? And I'm sitting there like the, um, you know, oh my God, it's going to be amazing. And she's like, I ain't going to cry because she's really like, she's rock hard, is my cousin. And I'm kind of like, listen, you need to just, you know, embrace it, man, because I'd love to be like, you know what I mean? It's like, love to be just going to see my mum or going to see me dad or, yeah, definitely. Or it's, it, it's it's weird. It's mm. well, you were blessed. You were blessed to have such amazing parents. Oh, one million percent, one million. But then it's a knock-on effect, isn't it? Because then you see it in the kids. Do you know what I mean? And it's like it's hard when you sort of like yourself. But then you loss is loss can be a very selfish thing, can't it? And it's like then, like, like like last week, I saw a picture of you know my daughter had posted on on Facebook. And it's her sitting there with a right miserable face, but her granddad standing behind her. And it's kind of like, you know, loss can be very, very selfish, but you've also got to remember, oh my God, yeah, of course, you know, they really miss them as well. Mm. And it's, it's, it's about, I suppose, you know, we do, we talk about them all the time. We've got pictures up and memories and this, that and the other, like, like my son, I mean, you know, it's so funny. I mean, he's 14 years old, but he still runs around his house in like a pair of my dad's, like, you know, the long johns, mm-hmm. which are like the old thermal long yeah. And they've got holes in them galore, but he won't throw them away because they're his granddad's. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's kind of like really strange now that he can actually fit in them now, <laughs> whereas before they're just like four. And it's just things like that, isn't it? It's like, you know. But it is like you say, I suppose, little memories, like 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 a pair of thermal sort of like tights. You know what I mean? It still means the world to him because they were his granddads. Yeah, and... definitely. And grandparents are so special, um, very very special. Um, Dee, let's change the subject a little a little bit. Um, so your life has changed massively now. But if you could take yourself back to maybe a few years before, in a way that you were thrust into the spotlight is there anything that you would say to yourself um knowing what you know now what would you say to yourself then to maybe help you navigate it in kind of a bittersweet way I'd have probably told myself not to do it if I'm honest with you Zoe um and this again it goes down to when people say have you got any regrets I don't think you can have regrets do you know what I'm saying but my life was perfectly happy. I was perfectly happy um, where I was. You know, it's like I had a roof over my head. You know, the children were fine. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like before them cameras hit that road, I was perfectly happy. So it's kind of, and I suppose didn't want to change anything. So if I was sort of standing there now and someone was standing in front of me and saying, oh, we're doing a documentary for Channel 4, do you want to be part of it? I'd probably say no. But again, that's on the flip side. Now that I have done it, I am kind of grateful because of the opportunities Mm. it has given me and it has given me, you know, um, the new friends that I've made, the people I've got in my life, the opportunities that have come through that. So it's kind of like, you know, it's very bittersweet, isn't it? It's like, but if I was standing there now back in 2012, 2013, I'd say, no, you're all right. <laughs> but even that, like so that is a bit of a contradiction because there's loads of yeah. good things that have come out of it, right? You're saying you've got new friendships. And that was going to be another question that I was going to ask you as well about peer groups. And, and what your view on that is, because Tony Robbins, he says that our lives are a direct reflection of the expectation of our peer, peer group. So, you know, the people we hang around with and, you know, I'm sure there's been a time in my, my life when I've had to really question the people who I was, um, who I had around me and, and I had to let some of them go in order to move forward with my life has there ever been a time in your life when you had to 
evaluate the people around you and and maybe move on from that one million percent and this is kind of like you know it's it is very bittersweet because it's it, it's true isn't it the same is true it's like you know when the tough gets tough it is that's when people do show their true selves I think and it's kind of like you know I'm probably without in my life now some of the people that I probably thought I would have in my life forever. And that's kind of like, you know, very bitter. And, and, and that hurt a lot, Zoe. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's kind of like, you know, again, it goes to the saying, isn't it, that sometimes it's those that are closer to you that will shock you. Um and it's about the true colours, I suppose. And and it's like, and I'm always kind of like, and it hurts. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, but again, I think that kind of like gets my guard up or it did get, it has got my guard up because I'm also very untrusting. Um, it's very, very hard to, to, to kind of like, to trust those who are probably just coming into my life, if that makes sense, because I'm always looking that that some people may have an ulterior motive. Because I, I've 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 come across people that have had an ulterior motive. You've been hurt. Do you know what I mean? And, and you've been shit on, basically. Yes. So you've got wounds there that are one million percent, which are affecting one million percent. And I I think it's very, it's kind of like you know not blowing my own or not bigging myself up. But I think when you find, I, I I am one of them genuine people. I don't want anything off anybody. Do you know what I mean? All I, all I kind of like expect, I'm not even going to say demand, and this goes with regards to everyone's different, is, is truth and loyalty. How hard, how hard is it to sort of like, you know, to 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 ask for truth and loyalty do you know what I mean it's like and again it's I suppose it's just been highlighted since obviously you know I've been in the public eye it's kind of like the amount of times I've been done over oh my god and I wouldn't even think of doing anyone over do you know what I'm saying it's like being done over and used for people's own gain and I'd never use anyone for for their own personal, you know, for, for I'd never use someone for my gain. I just can't understand how that's actually built into some people. It, these are people that <laughs> actually know you, right? Or on new friendships. Both. Mm. To be fair, absolutely both. And it's kind of like, you know, it's it's just a strange one, isn't it? You sort of like I've still got. I've still got loads of friends that I had from like, you know, from from the day I was born, which is really weird. It's it's like childhood friends. I've still got loads that were still so close and junior school friends were still so close. Senior school friends were still so close. Um, but I've also got new friends that I now class as family and I know would never, ever kind of like, do me over but you've always got that element of doubt until you get to know people it's like you know it's it's you you meet people you become acquaintances you get to know them and it's like even something small of you know oh I can't believe you know so and so is there any chance you can get me a video for my birthday and I'm like well no because that's my friend do you know what I'm saying it's like and it, it's oh, well, you should have told me you were going there. I'd love to meet so-and-so. And I'm like, okay. But it's, you know, and it's like, oh, I had to come with, you know, and it, I just can't take that because that's to me, it's like you don't, you're not my friend for being my friend. You're my friend for the meeting of other people or the chance of having your photo taken or coming here or coming there. I don't like that, Zoe. Do you know what I mean? It's like... I don't know, it's just a, a weird one. Managers, when they swoon on you and I've got your best interests in heart and this, that and the other, and you think nobody 
in this world has really got your best interests uh, in heart. This is when our sixth sense comes in and that intuition comes in that that mm. we, we just have to rely on. And and I know, you know, I I think it's maybe healthy to have your guard up a little bit, but, you know, I think it's probably even healthier just to just to trust people. And if they shit on you, then... You know, see, this is the thing, and it's kind of like I am a very trusting person. I kind of always am, but I'm kind of like, you know, I'm very of the mindset you can do me bad, but you'll only do me bad once. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But even that, like that one time of doing me bad, it it bloody hurts. And I think that's kind of like, you know, but you don't want to, you don't want to have to change, do you? Do you know what I'm saying? It's like. I don't want to have to be second guessing every single person I meet mm-hmm. or every single person I speak to because that just completely muddles up your mind. Mm-hmm. It's like, just go with the flow. And I don't know, it's kind of like, don't invest too much into a relationship. Um, re- even not regards, when I, by relationship, I mean kind of like, you know, friendship or whatever, shall we say. It's, um, you know, there's a fine line with acquaintances. Oh, I've, I've had it all the time with Caitlin and stuff like that. Um, that's my daughter. Oh, I know your mum. And I'm like, no, the da- I don't know them. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, I'm your mum's friend. Well, I don't even, you know, and stuff like that. And it's kind of like, I don't know. But um, yeah, I've, yeah. But that's the thing, I suppose. It's like, you've kind of got to have your wits about you, but you don't want to have them too much about you to the extreme where you're absolutely driving yourself mad by questioning everything. Just go with the flow. I wish I could just go with the flow. It'd be be a lot, it's a lot more easier, isn't it? And it's like, I suppose I make things worse for myself. I think we all do. We all do. We all overthink things. Because it's the once bitten, isn't it? The once Mm. bitten, twice shy. But I've I've been bitten more than once, unfortunately. So, so you're doing some amazing things at the moment in terms of. um, I know you're very active uh, with your interviews, and you're doing a collaboration. I think you're an ambassador for balls. Is it balls to cancer? You do a lot of interviews. Tell us a little bit about that. <clears throat> sorry now obviously balls to cancer is a charity that is very very close to my heart um it's a family-run charity um here in the um, by mark and susan bates um and they set it up predominantly because of their loss you know what i mean it was originally it was set up as a male cancer support charity but now they just support anybody anybody who's affected in any way at all by cancer um i'm an ambassador for their charity and then every thursday i do an ask auntie d it's a facebook and instagram live where i get to you know sit there and be completely starstruck because i i'm i'm, I'm interviewing you know um famous people that I, i've also just watched and, and i do i do get very very starstruck which is you know it's like that's i'm just a normal person but i absolutely love that do you like again, the, do you like, like the this... interviewing because it's a bit like me i'd had no experience interviewing people and then i decided to start this podcast um to raise awareness on mental health and this book that i was writing which still hasn't been finished but it will eventually <laughs> um but like yourself and also to to challenge fears as well because i was quite shy and um yeah, I'm actually quite shy, believe it or not. And this is what a lot of people can't kind of like. I think, you know, the persona that I give out, and I don't know how I give it out, Zoe, but I am I am a really kind of like shy person. But it's like, obviously, when I'm doing these interviews, it it's I see it more as like a chat. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, I mean, but I build myself up and I get so stressed. Because obviously, you know, these are people that I've I've watched on my TV screens or they're absolute legends in their fields, half of them. And it's not until you kind of like, you get chatting. I, I do it kind of more from like a chat point of view that you're like, you know something, they are just normal people. Like, and we just end up having such a laugh that I don't have like set questions I just go, just with, the go with the flow. And that's 
Yeah. That's a good skill, right? I mean, I've sat down. Oh, it's, with, apparently I, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I've sat down with you and Kelly and, and you are, you're a natural at this, right? You are a natural oh. at it. I'm not. I don't feel that I am. But, um, you know, I also believe that the more you practice, the better you get, right? Zoe, I could have a whole list of questions and good old Google, you know, where you're kind of like, right, because I've got to do this. and But you've got to kind of look at it. I, I kind of look at it from the point of view of these people have obviously, you know, been probably been asked the same question a million times. So you, you do your Googling, you do your whatever, they come on the screen. The second you see them, it's like all the I probably never ever ask anyone one question that I've planned to ask them. And I think that's what kind of throws them. It's like because you, you just just get into it and I'm I kind of like I'm nosy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like that's how I look at it. I want to know everything about everything. It's like if it's someone in the soaps, I'm like, come on, you've got to tell us, you know, did so and so kill so and so? And they're like, well, I can't tell you that. And I'm like, yeah, you can. You know what I mean? And it's like, what can't so you and that's kind of how I do it. But if I had to sort of have a list of questions, I suppose probably be an epic fail because my attention span just goes what has been your your favorite interview so far and something that you personally maybe took something from do you know what I, I and and this is like really um one of the one of the ones that I was totally dreading so much that I practically nearly made made myself sick over worrying about it was what I could call the actor Lawrence Fox. Now, Lawrence is, shall we say, very controversial. Do you know what I mean? It's like he's um, he, he ran for uh, mayor of London, obviously, in the last election. And he is very, very controversial. And I was like, oh, my God. But again, this is me, I suppose, prejudging because in my eyes he is probably what I'd say from more of an upper class and I sort of see myself as you know right down here with the working class power to the working class people but it's like we're kind of like when he came on the screen and stuff and the second I kind of started talking to him we just ended up having such a laugh and it was like it was I mean it's it's well recorded that he was one of these, you know, that didn't believe in the lockdown and kept like having these parties and the police had kept turning up at his house and, you know, to lock down these parties. But he could take, he could kind of like take the banter, if that makes sense. It's like, you know, you see someone like him, obviously from the West Midlands, and I'm like, you know, I says, oh, we're having, you know, the balls to cancer. It's the 10th anniversary ball in November. Do you fancy coming? He's like, where is it? And I'm like, I'm a little place called Wolverhampton. And I'm thinking he's probably never heard. And he's like, oh, I know Wolverhampton. I'm so like, how do you know Wolverhampton? Do you know what I mean? It's like when you, you're walking around like Chelsea and this, that and the other. And he's like, oh, my partner's from Wolverhampton. I'm like, really? You know, so that's really strange. And then going into that, and it was like, well, how did you meet her when we're supposed to be under a lockdown? He's like, no comment, no comment, <laughs> you know. But but having the and, and, and that one really, really shocked me. You know, mm-hmm. like you say, we're all the same. It doesn't matter whether or not you went to private school, whether or not you went to state school, whether or not you bought yes. up in a mansion. Whether or not you were brought up in a, I don't know, a two up, two down in Turner Street, we're all the same. And um, and it's you saying that, obviously, you know, it's where I'm a massive Liverpool football. I'm, I'm, I just, obviously, I named my son Gerard after Stephen Gerard, And I remember they surprised me the once because they brought, you know, Neil Ruddock, Razor Ruddock. And he's like one of my all-time heroes. And they brought him on as a surprise. Zoe, I just cried through the whole thing. I never even asked him any questions because I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And that was like how the whole sort of interview was like, I can't believe it's you. And I'm calling like everyone, come here, look. And they're like, well, we can see it because we're watching it. So it's very like that. And it's like, just go with the flow. That's what I say. It's kind of like, 
because plans never work out in regards to interviews. I mean, look at that. That's amazing, isn't it? Like, who would have thought that Benefit Street, that you would be interviewing um, I know. Neil, Heroes. Ne- was it Neil Razor Ruddock, you know, someone. Neil Razor Ruddock. Yeah, yeah, I was the same with Kelly Holmes when I was interviewing Kelly. I wow. was nervous as anything, um, but I prepared. Oh my God. And I think, I think you could tell that I'd prepared and that I was passionate about running as well. Yeah. And, um, and, but my gosh, I was a little bit, bit nervous about that. Um, but, um, like you say, we're all people. And, um, exactly. And that's my motto. We're all, yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, I have come across a few who I'm like, okay, then you definitely think you're, um, a whole different league, do you know what I'm saying? But so maybe we're gonna yeah. have the D Kelly show in the future. I don't know, maybe ITV or Channel Four are gonna say, Oh she's pretty good at interviewing. She's a bit raw and real. Let, let's they need to make them really long because I'm telling you, once I start, <laughs> as you probably don't know, once I start, tell me I just don't start. <laughs> D tell us a little bit about the charity as well that you I believe you've set up your own foundation or your own charity. Um, it's not so much a charity at the moment. We're at a, we're a community interest company at the moment, um, but we're looking over. Well, we have to sort of you know sometime this year or early next year is actually turning it into a business. It's actually called Birmingham Says No to Knife Crime and Youth Violence. Um, I'm a co-director of the company with um, with a friend of mine called Rachel Warren. Um, and the long and short of it is, obviously, you know, we're both in different ways victims of what you call knife crime. But, oh, Zoe, knife crime and youth violence, is it, it's so on the up over here. And it's like, you know, every single day you just hear about kids killing kids or people losing their lives through being stabbed or shot or or beaten up, or and it's absolutely horrific. Um, and what we do at Birmingham Says No is we actually put on free events for young people. Services have been cut by, obviously, the government and the powers that be, but they're being cut in the wrong places. Like, the police have had their... The, the cuts in the police force are absolutely ridiculous. Youth services have been cut um so there's absolutely nothing to do and a lot of these kids the gangs that have been you know that are up and running at the moment I think currently in Birmingham we probably have over 15 20 active big youth gangs and they actually really mean business we've had you know over the past couple of months we've had three 15 14 15 year old boys lose their life to to gang violence. Now I've got a 14-year-old son, Zoe, do you know what I mean? And I dread every second that that boy and his friends are out, out outside because I just know it's just not safe. It isn't safe. So basically Birmingham says no. We're here, we're the voice of young people. Not a lot of people listen to young people. They don't take time out to listen to what young people have to say. And young people, the young people out there, they're they're very knowledgeable. They know what they want. They know where they want to go. But because they're they're young, the powers that be, they just don't want to listen to them or hear their voice. We put on free events for young people, Um, whether it be dance competitions, music competitions, online gaming, anything they want to do. We will we will try and accommodate it. We've got the young bike life lads. If you see a gang, a group of kids riding up the road on a bike, a lot of people automatically they're out causing trouble. They're not. They're out riding their bikes. But it's not to say that there isn't a group who is out causing trouble. But not all of them. And this is what we're here for. It's like we've managed to have. We only started in late two thousand and nineteen. And we were locked up, locked up, that sounds awful, but you know what I mean, locked down for over 18 months. But we've managed to have probably about three, three live events for young people. And we've had over practically nearly 2,000 young people 
turn up just to have fun and just to feel safe and just to mix because it's this postcode war. It's absolutely ridiculous. These young people fighting and killing over a postcode. It's just absolutely ridiculous. It's crazy. But it sounds like something from like, the movies years ago, doesn't it? You know, like the Brat Pack it's movies. Actually, it's got- worse. It's And that's the thing. It's worse than the movies because for some unknown reason, these young people, have they've got no boundaries. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, I mean, I could never, ever, if you think back to being 14 years old, and it's happening from younger, I mean, there's a lot of like child exploitation as well, where you've got these elders that they're grooming children from eight, nine, ten years old because they know that by law they can't be prosecuted to actually carry drugs from from county to county. And, oh, it's absolutely heartbreaking. And it's kind of like, you know, you know me, so I'm in the mindset, if I can save the world, I'll save the world. But mm. if we can save one child at a time, then, it'll, you know, we'll do it one child at a How time. How easy it's... is it to infiltrate and to really kind of, you know, those cultural practices? Because I, I know what it's like as a child growing up amongst, um, you know, I mean, I left home at a very early age. And even though I grew up in a small town, there was a big heroin problem. Um, you know, I was around drugs a lot, and, and, and that's what happens. You end up taking them, and, you know, my life could have easily gone one way, easily. I know people that have died, so many people who have died of heroin overdoses. You know, thankfully, there was some belief I had in myself, and I always knew, always knew it was deep inside, and and, and I used that to kind of move move forward and make something out of my life but it's it's not easy it's not easy when you're you know you're in that environment and you've got that gang culture and then you've got drugs involved Mm -hmm. sorry yeah and do you know what it is as well it's you saying that it's kind of like too many of our young people nowadays are being told that they will never make anything of their lives Mm. so the more a young person the more any person is told you're not going to become anything. They're going to think they're not going to become anything Mm. because, you know, no matter how hard they try and the sad reality of it is you see it in schools. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like teachers and people that teach these children, not all teachers, but some teachers, you cannot be telling a group of, uh, you know, a group of young people that you're not going to become anything. Role models, you're supposed to be their role model. You're there to teach them. Parents are there to teach them. Peers, it's like, you know, oh, my God, I feel so sorry for my son's friends because the second they walk through my front door, I'm on them. And it's like, not for being like, you know, on, on, on. I'm just like, well, does your mum know where you are? Do you think? Because it's about keeping them safe, keeping them safe, talking to them, making them believe that they can be whatever they want to be. Like, we'll have it this way, like one of them, Oh, I want to actually, you know, I want to be a cricketer. And then you've got the others, you ain't ever going to play. And I'm like, what are you telling him that for? You know what I mean? If he wants to be a cricketer, he can be a cricketer. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and it's about just instilling in these people that, you know, that every single person out there is worth it because there's too many people quick and ready to say, you're not worth anything. Well, you are. They are. They are worth it. And it's incredible that you're using your platform as well for good. And I think people will be able to relate with you um, because of your background and and where you're from. There's probably a lot of people from similar backgrounds who maybe look up to you who are not where they want to be right now in life. Maybe they feel a bit stuck. Maybe they're on benefits and they don't see a way out what would you say to them what what bit of advice would you give to them do you know I would actually say to them listen there is nothing wrong with being on benefits do you know what I'm saying it's like I mean look we've just gone through a global pandemic Zoe I had the amount of people with regards to um who sent me messages who were like 
oh, what do you think of all these people now that have ended up on universal credit because they've lost their jobs and this? And I said, do you know something? What do you mean? What do I think of them? Everybody's life can change at the drop of a hat. And this is what I've said. You could have the best job in the world today. Tomorrow, you could have nothing. And that's why, you, in my eyes, you should never, ever look down on a person for their circumstances. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, if you're on benefits, you're on benefits. Do you know what I'm saying? It doesn't make you the worst person in the world for the situation that you're in. But it's like, there are jobs out there. There are people out there who can advise you. You know, you've just got to live your life as you. Don't live it to what you think other people believe you should be living it. And 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 that's and that's the hard thing. It's like, you know, I was on benefits, you know, this kind of like that didn't make me a bad person because it was just my situation at the time. I'm like not on benefits now, but I'd never ever look down on someone who was. Do you know what I mean? It's like nobody knows what this life, you know, what this life has in store for anybody. And like I said to you, everybody say it could just change at a drop of a hat. Yeah, you've so, just got to live your life as and when you know it it happens, yeah, and yeah. don't ever let anyone think that you're worthless for being in a situation that you're in. I think you've achieved so much in, in in your life and over the last few years, and you should be very proud of yourself. Do you ever take a step back and give yourself a pat on the back for what you've done? Never, never, ever, ever. I am probably, I am probably, what's the expression? My worst critic, is it? Kind of like, there is an expression, isn't there? Um, I beat myself up too much, Zoe, and this is kind of like, you know what I mean? I don't do, I don't do what I do for thanks. I don't do it for recognition. I don't do anything for, you know, to kind of like say, oh, I've done this, I've done that, look at me. But like, I'm constantly, I do it just because I care. I do what I do because I care. But like, I can't take, um, what's the word? I can't take not appreciation, because I don't want appreciation. What's the word? The opposite to criticism. Like, that's, yeah, I can't take it because I kind of like, I do, I'm kind of like, I am, I just beat myself up all the time and it's like, I often think, you know, I'm like sitting here and I'm like, I must be a bad person. And I constantly question, am I a good mum? And I constantly question, am I a good friend? I constantly question, because other people sometimes make you feel like you are. And this is kind of, do you know what I mean? It's like, and again, this is down to. Sounds like maybe there's work to do on self-love. And and I think think we've all got that, me included. You know, we have to really look within ourselves and learn to, to love who we are and, and just mm-hmm. what we've achieved and and where we are right now in our lives and just, you know, kind of say well See, done for that. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's, it's very bittersweet, isn't it? It is very bittersweet because I think if I ever got my mindset to the point where it would be, you know, Summit, you have done good, then there'll always be that one person who'll knock you down and it's like, one knockdown compared to 10 pickups. It's always the knockdown, isn't it? It's mm. always the knockdown that affects you. If we let it, and yeah. Kind of, mm. what, yeah, what would well, it... I'm kind of good at that, if that makes sense. I'm good at letting the the bad what would, um, outweigh the good. What would be um, the perfect life for you? If you were like to close your eyes and, and wake up and, you, you know, your life was exactly how you wanted it to be in terms of career, personal relationships, I don't know, anything. What would that look like for you? Do you know, the perfect life for me 
I know there's at no this perfect, precise, but you know yeah, what I mean. At this precise moment in time would be, it'd have to be, you know, that outside that front door that I know that we could go, our children could go, our parents, our friends, our family could go and know that they'd make it back safe. The world is such a horrible place at the moment. And it's kind of like, how has it come to this? Do you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, you've seen it all when you watch like the good old Peaky Blinders and things like that. You always had like, you know, would you call them like the little scallywags and, the, you know, the, th- the things like that. But it's like to kind of like not know whether or not, you know, your children are going to end up coming home safe or not know that, you know, if you, you see, you know, oh, the whole world is just a, a horrible, vile, nasty place at the moment. And it's and no one seems to care. It'd be just be great if we could have a world full of those who can make the changes to actually be bothered, you know, about another life being taken or another this being taken or another shoot mass shooting or you know war being broke. It's just horrible, isn't it? It's just ugh. The perfect life would be just everybody just being able to live their life how they want to live their life without fear of losing their life or losing someone someone close to them through non-natural causes shall we say okay Dave we've been chatting now for like an hour and 15 minutes (laughs) Um, there's so many things and so many questions I haven't asked you as well. I could actually just part here two, and talk Zoe. To you part two. <laughs> definitely, we'll definitely have to do a part two. Oh. Dave, thank you so much for being an amazing guest, and I think you should take that step back and give yourself the pat on the back because you know you're using your platform for good. Everything you're doing with the balls for cancer, it's absolutely amazing, and with you know the the gun crime. It's incredible. I think if we can change children, we can change the direction of their lives. You can change. You can change the future. See, and this is the thing. You know what I mean? It's like they are our future. You know what I mean? They need to know that there are people out there who do believe in them, and that's us. We need to tell them more often. One hundred. You know what I mean? It's like that. They are worth it, and no matter what, they're unique. And just be who you are and you will, you know what I mean? It's like, don't ever, ever let anybody put you down. It's like, you know, you are our future and, and fingers crossed there'll be a brighter future for the young people. 